Greetings and hello to everyone. This is the Business of Betting podcast and I'm your host, Jake Williams. Today is episode 18 and we have a first. We have two guests, co-founders of PropSwap, Ian Epstein and Luke Pagundi. Ian and Luke met when they were students at the University of Arizona and co-founded PropSwap in 2013 in Las Vegas. Luke came from the finance world and spent time at Bloomberg also trading stocks before founding PropSwap, whilst Ian has been in Vegas since 2012 and spent time at Canter Gaming Sportsbook prior to PropSwap. Ian and Luke chat with me about sports betting, their business, what the industry is like and what part of the betting world PropSwap fits into. As always, you can find us at businessofbetting.com or at bettingpod on Twitter. Please fire in any questions or feedback and potential guests you would like to hear from. So thank you for listening, and I hope you enjoy my chat with Ian and Luke. Today I'm joined by co-founders of PropSwap, Ian Epstein and Luke Pagandi. Guys, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks, Jake, for having us. It's kind of cool to have two guests. This is the first time I'm lucky enough to have two, so I appreciate you both taking out some time. Uh, to chat with me for an episode. It's pretty cool what you guys are up to in Vegas, and uh, I'm sure all the listeners will be excited to hear. So why don't you start by, I guess, individually going through your backgrounds and what led you both to be co-founders of PropSwap? Sure. So this is Ian talking. Um, So uh, Luke and I both went to college uh, at the University of Arizona. That's where we met. Um, And then shortly after graduation, um, I moved out to Vegas to work in the sports betting industry. I, I knew from an early age that's what I wanted to do. Um, I had an affinity for, for numbers and odds. Um, and so I got a, a part-time marketing job uh, for Cantor Gaming in 2012. Um, literally just walked in there, said, hey, you know, you know, would love a job here. They created a little assistant to the marketing uh, director's uh, job for me. Um, and then that got my foot in the door. And so from there, I was able to kind of uh, you know, move into a full-time role, uh, you know, move to different departments, and then finally ended up where, where I really wanted to go, which was risk management. Um, Cantor Gaming's risk management department was based in the M Casino in Henderson, uh, and so every day I would walk into the office, and my job was to watch sports, move lines, take bets from the world's sharpest bettors, and, and I loved it. Um, and then uh, Luke contacted me um, in 2013, uh, because he had he had made a wager on Labor Day uh, in September on the Saints at fifty to one to win the Super Bowl. Um, that was back in September, and then fast forward to October, they were really hot. Um, the were down the odds were down to fifteen to one. The Saints were so he contacted me from San Francisco, knowing I was the sports betting guy, and he said, "Hey, I've got this Saints Super Bowl ticket. It's improved in value. Is is there anywhere I can sell this thing?" And I said, no, there's not. Um, and he said, well, why not? And I said, I'm not sure why not, but we should probably look into that. Uh, and so that kind of started, embarked us on this, on this journey of can you sell your sports bet to someone else? And, and that was the question we tried to answer. And, and obviously the answer was yes, you can. Uh, and, that, and that was the inception of PropSwap. 
And Luke, I'm guessing you have a similar background? Uh, no. So Ian is, is the sports betting guy. I had a financial background. Um, I worked in finance from 2009 to 2015 uh, when I quit my job and moved down here to Vegas. Uh, I worked for Bloomberg before I started PropSwap, um, studying markets, studying stocks, bonds, commodities, etc. Um, and it just made sense. It made sense that these things have a finite collect amount and the value of these tickets changes based on what's going on in sports. Um, and you should be able to sell that to someone else if you so choose. Uh, and like Ian alluded to, we figured out that that is in fact legal to do. Um, the gaming control board has blessed us. They continue to bless us. We're two years into this endeavor um, and they support us and they, they agree um, that these tickets are in fact transferable. And um, even though person A made the bet, person B is allowed to redeem that ticket. So what importance did finance have on your current business and understanding the, the betting side of it and the odds and the, the odds movements and things like that and I guess the risk and words like that that are involved in having a betting business? Yeah, great question. Um, so I don't know if you saw the, the large bet that went down on Floyd Mayweather about a week ago, maybe maybe four days ago. Um, it was 880000 to win one hundred and sixty, And... <clears throat> people are kind of freaking out. They're like, why would anyone do that? That makes no sense. Well, that's an 18% return on his money if he wins. 18% in two weeks in the finance world is off the charts amazing. Um, you do that every single time when you have this much of an edge, which we, we all think that Floyd is, is, the, is pretty much a lock. Um, if you can make 18% of your money in two weeks on a lock, you know, wager, it, you don't blink, you, you hit the go button every time. Um, so those are the types of things that, you know, we're trying to educate the, the, the public on that sports betting, you should treat sports betting no different than you treat your investment portfolio or a stock. If you can turn, if you bought a stock at a hundred and you can sell it at a thousand, you should do that every single time and, and sports betting should be no different. So why do you think they placed that bet now with, the, I guess, enough time up until the fight where it could have been sitting in a bank account earning very minimal interest, but something? What's the rationale behind doing it this far out, do you think? So that's a great question. I think they could have got better odds if they would have waited you know, another week or so because I think Floyd will continue to get more money. Um, so I, I don't know exactly why. There was a little bit of marketing involved. I know that. It was, it was the Maloof brothers if you've ever heard of them, they own what, the Sacramento Kings. They used to own the Sacramento Kings. They used to own the Palms. Uh, and now they're pushing this, uh, you know, uh, anti-hangover drink. Uh, you know, something you drink before you before you, you know, drink cocktails. Um, but I actually watched an interview with them. And one of them said that he's, he's neighbors with Floyd. He's friends with Floyd. And he was actually uh, at a training session. And he's standing there at a Floyd training session. And he says to himself, it's, it's time to bet Floyd. Like, I'm... Um, <laughs> He's forty, looking like he's twenty, and then he called his brother, said, "Hey, let's let's bet Floyd." Um, they actually got a really good number, you know. Maybe maybe they could have got a better number, but in the future. But as far as where where the market was on that day, they got minus five fifty on Floyd, which was the best number in town. Everyone else was six hundred or worse. Okay, and you mentioned before you have to educate some of the public about, you know, some of the finance involved, and I guess some of the 
the risk and how that plays out for them, I guess, individually, I would imagine it's a difficult task because a lot of bettors want to place a $100 bet at 50 to 1 and might not understand why it's a good return on investment if it is, you know, a high teens or 20 or 30% investment. They might say, well, if it's 50 to 1 and I got 100 bucks on, I'm going to win a lot of money. So why would I take, you know, 200 bucks now instead of waiting to see? How do you go about educating that sometimes the small return in your pocket is better than waiting on the, the mammoth return? Yeah, it's that's the largest struggle of our business for sure. Is convincing people that those those smaller returns add up. Um, you know, we've we've kind of brought on some quote unquote celebrity sports betters. R.J. Bell. Um, you know, a lot of those guys take what R.J. Bell says as as Bible. You know, um, so he we did a sponsorship with him a few months ago, and um, selling your ticket when that comes out of his mouth, you know, betters kind of take that. Uh, they believe it more than than these two entrepreneurs that started prop swap. So, uh, just partnering up with guys that we know that they they trust and sports betters trust has been helpful. Um, we'll do as many podcasts as we can. You know, obviously that we're doing this one as well and local sports radio. Um, and most of all of our commercials is just giving examples of of prior. You know, the Super Bowl last year of the Falcons, right? Like, obviously, you should have sold your Falcons ticket during the Super Bowl and it made you would have made a ton of money at halftime and you know the year before that with the Carolina Panthers you could have turned a hundred dollars into four thousand dollars um, betting on the Panthers so just using examples of the past and um, tickets that would have went to zero had you not sold you know um, we think resonate pretty well and what about the pros there's obviously a lot of professionals living in Vegas who have moved there to make a living betting on sports and other things are they attracted to this type of offering um yeah they are i mean so a lot of the pros are buyers with us because all, all they care about are getting the, the best numbers possible right they don't bet teams they bet numbers um so we, we've attracted a lot of professionals um who who want to buy off our site um because you know because uh, you know if it's 10 to 1 in the market in vegas skies will be offering their tickets selling their tickets at 12 or 15 to 1 um, so that that's very attractive to the professionals. On on the selling side, um, a little more difficult. You know, some of these professionals are, are too proud to to sell their tickets. Right? The they have this motto of I got the best number possible. So therefore, you know, I, it's like in poker that people say I got my money with the best hand. You know, I, I you know over time I'm going to win. Um, but they're and they're too proud to look at the situation and say you couldn't. You know. Even though you know you're going to lose, like you could, you could sell that ticket and make money on it. But but they're too proud to do that because they say doesn't matter. I got the best number. I'm gonna I'm gonna ride it out. Yeah, yeah. So you know, uh, yeah. So as far as professionals, we got a ton of professionals that are buying. Um, convincing them to sell has been a little harder. So what led you to start PropSwap? I know you mentioned sort of the business model behind it, and I guess the void in the market. But a lot of people ask or email in or tweet into the podcast and and want to know. I guess the mindset of young people, especially who are trying to get into full-time sports betting or a business side of betting, whether it's starting their own or joining, what was the impetus for both of you to sort of take the leap into, I would say, a market that perhaps your grandparents wouldn't have, you know, said is the greatest market in the world to get involved in, and that's sort of sports betting in Vegas. But what are some of the things that you can give as advice to other people in your position, maybe a few years ago, who were maybe working in finance or working in other areas and wanted to get involved in sports betting, but just haven't at this point. Yeah. Um, 
you know, as far as sports betting in general, I would say just just go do it. I mean, just get get your foot in the door. Getting my foot in the door was 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 the best thing you could do because at that point you can then shine. Um, so you know, don't be too above taking a low paying job because all that matters is that you get in there and then the managers start to see you know you work and then you'll trust me. There's not a whole lot of education going on that are like you know, people don't have a whole lot of education in this industry so if you if you're a bright young mind you'll you'll shine you'll shine right away um i'll never forget when i was in college uh i was in vegas for a trip and i at that point i knew i wanted to work in the industry and i walked up to a ticket writer and i was like what what kind of major do you know, do do these sports book directors have you know like you know to get into this position and this woman looks at me dead face and she goes I don't think most of the guys went to college. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. So I'm, I'm, I got to, I got to step on them already. So, um, yeah, I would say, you know, just get your foot in the door because uh, once you do that, then, then you can shine. So, what's the mission statement for Prop Swap? And I guess, in real terms, this football season, for example, what are you, what are you aiming for? What are you sort of hoping for this, this season when it comes to NFL and college football? Because I would imagine there's a lot of tickets in, in sports like that. Yeah, I mean the the mission statement. Um, this football season is the same; it's been all season, or you know, since we started the business, which is provide liquidity for people's sports bets. Um, give betters a third option. Before prop swap, you you made a bet and either it won and you won the full collect amount, or it didn't win and you got nothing. Right? It was zero or, or everything. And so we're here. We we want to provide a whole range of options for people to sell their bet at any point before the event's over. So that, that, that's our mission statement, and it always has been, always will be. Um, this football season, um, our, our new goal is – so we, we just rolled out a new feature. Uh, we haven't exactly made it public, but we'll, we'll make it public here on, on your podcast. Um, people can list their ticket anytime, anywhere. So before, you had to either mail in or, or give PropSwap your ticket, and then once we had your ticket in our possession, it would go up for sale on, on our marketplace. Um, but now we just rolled out a new feature that we're calling cash out that you, anyone can, can go to our website, the, the punch in the ticket information, give us a photo, uh, and then it'll hit our marketplace immediately. And basically all we ask is, is a credit card number, uh, as an assurance that if you, if it sells and you back out, we'll, we'll charge you a, a small penalty. Um, but basically this is going to open up the door to every straight bet, right? So before when you had to give us your slip. Uh, it was very difficult for people to give us their straight bets during the game because we just could, you know, we couldn't make it there in time. Um, so this will allow anyone sitting in the sports book or, or at home to snap a photo and then, you know, if it's the third quarter of a game, list their ticket for sale and then they can get bought up immediately. So how do you characterize your business then? Are you calling yourselves an exchange then or a marketplace? I mean, you mentioned marketplace. Is that sort of the area you're looking into? Yeah. So. The only difference between a marketplace and exchange, right, is there's bidding involved. So we don't have bidding incorporated into PropSwap just yet. Um, that's probably one, one of our top action items for maybe the spring uh, is for people to enter in their credit card, submit a bid, and then for the seller to see that bid. Right now, uh, buyers will just say, hey, I see that Dodgers ticket up there. I know it's listed for 800 bucks, but I would pay 750 We go back and talk to the seller and say, hey, you know, this guy would pay 750 So the bidding isn't totally organic in PropSwap yet, so I can't call it an exchange. But yeah, I mean, it's a marketplace. Um, what Ian's alluding to is, you know, the, the admin, you know, Ian and I, we would always upload the tickets 
before this change, but now that this cash out feature is available on our website, users will be able to upload their tickets as well. Um, so we're really kind of morphing into a peer-to-peer -peer marketplace um, where sellers and buyers can interact on the website and um, with kind of hands-free. We're not picking up tickets uh, until they actually sell. So I'm sure there's people outside of the U.S. who are screaming and tearing their hair out saying, well, there's Betfair, there's other places like Matchbook, there's exchanges out there where you can essentially hedge and bet on the other side and, and that way you can create a little book for yourself. Given that that is not widely available in the U.S., how are you thinking or positioning yourselves when it comes to similar exchanges like Betfair or other hedging possibilities uh, as a competitor to your business? Sure, sure. So, yeah, in um, you know, Luke has the correct definition of what an exchange is, but in terms of sports betting, people call an ex exchange wagering what, what Betfair does, right? What Betfair does is they call exchange wagering. And the big difference uh, between that and what we do um, is that in Betfair, basically people create their own bets, right? If I say, if I say the Giants are not going to win the Super Bowl this year, I can go on there and create that bet, and then I wait for someone to match the other side of it, right? And that's a new wager that just entered the ecosystem based on based on something I did, um, and that's been deemed illegal um, by by Nevada Game Patrol Board because in Nevada, all bets need to originate from the house, right? I see. Like, you know, you need to be a, a licensed book. You need to be a licensed sports book to create any wagers. So therefore, you know, all all wagers need to come. You need to you know, originate from the casino. So while we're, the reason we're legal and the reason we're, we're in business is that the, you could only list bets that were made at the sports book, right? You can only list these, these physical tickets. You can't just go on our website and create your own bet. It's got to be something that originated from the casino. So therefore, there are no new wagers that enter the ecosystem because we exist. These are all existing wagers um, that, that someone else made that they decide they don't want anymore. And okay. so that's kind of the big differential between us and, and Betfair. So you're essentially responding to the regulations and being, I guess, giving punters and betters the ability to sort of pass around a ticket depending on how much they're willing to sell it for, essentially. Correct. So what are some of the other challenges you're facing to expand your business? Obviously, you're based in Vegas and there's probably a lot of foot traffic and a lot of people around there and it sounds like now you're expanding into the digital world. What are some of the other things that you're thinking about or considering or some of the challenges that you're going to face in the next sort of 6, 12, 18 months? Yeah. So, I mean, you know, one of our biggest challenges, you know, always is, is, going, to, is going to be gaining acceptance from, from the casinos. Um, we, we've made a huge strides in the, in the two years we've, we've been in business. Um, but, you know, even, even so, we would love to be in the casinos. And, you know, we, we'd love the casinos to see us as an ally, which I think, which most people, you know, would agree we are, right? We are convincing people to make more bets, make more long shot bets, because they don't need to win in order, in order to make money. They, they just need to improve. And so I, we, we have tangible evidence that people go and they make more futures, more parlays, because they know prop swaps exist. And therefore, that's good for the sports book. So, uh, you know, one of our biggest challenges always is, is gaining acceptance from the sports book and, and having them realize at some point the light bulb is going to click and they're going to say, wait, prop shop's not trying to cannibalize our business. They're, they're helping our business. Um, and so at that point we would love to be friends with them because it's a very um, complimentary business. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be in that sports book. Someone goes and makes a wager at the counter 
walks two feet to their left and drops their ticket in, in a prop swap kiosk, let's say, to then list it for sale in the future. Okay. So what is the game day experience like in Vegas, let's say on a Sunday? Are there thousands of people in the sports book and then therefore you've got a lot of customers potentially there and if they're placing bets with the sports sports book, the ability for them to then be involved with prop swap is quite simple and quite easy or are you targeting more the mobile audience and the digital audience uh, online? No, the, the, the sports book is our, is our target market. So, you know, any, anyone seeing a sports book, you know, holding a bet is, is, our, is our customer. Um, and so because we've, we have been able to infiltrate the sports books with a physical presence quite yet, that's why we came up with this cash app because we want to make it as easy as possible for people to get their ticket listed for sale. So as long as you're, you've got a phone, um, you can get your ticket listed on our website, uh, which, is, which is really cool. Yeah, absolutely. So everyone's talking about sports betting, the possible legalization, the expansion from outside of Vegas and a couple of the other states where they have very limited sports betting. What are the, some of the things that you're thinking about when it comes to the legalization or liberalization of sports betting in the U.S.? Uh, if the market grows you know, exponentially with a lot of the, I guess, illegal money or people who aren't betting start to, betting on, start to bet on sports, how will that impact your business going forward, do you think? Sure. So um, right now, everyone's kind of staring at this Supreme Court case that, uh, you know, New Jersey versus the, the leagues. Um, and that they basically that's going to determine if PASPA is constitutional or not. Um, and if the Supreme Court deems it's not constitutional, that is going to open the floodgates, essentially, uh, for legal sports betting. But the way that's going to happen is it's going to happen on a state by state basis. Right. Because basically the 92 law said that. Uh, you know, it, it made it illegal for if, if you don't opt in now, it's going to make it illegal for states to offer sports betting. So if it if they reverse that rule, that, that law, then basically states like New Jersey are going to be the first to do it. But then other states are going to slowly trickle in uh, Pennsylvania, Connecticut, um, you know, Indiana, Michigan. Um, and so the way we see and so the way we see it is it's, it's all going to be it's going to be a job creation play for those states. Right. So it's going to be come down to Atlantic City casinos and make your bets in, in Atlantic City. Um, and so the way the way we see it is the more sports bets being created in the ecosystem, the better for us. Right. There's there's only a certain amount of sports bets in Nevada. And now you're saying you're going to double or triple that just by offering in Jersey. Um, that's going to be good news for us. So I could see us expanding to to a, you know, an East Coast state like New Jersey and basically just recreating what we've done here in Nevada and do that there. Um, so. The way I see it is the more the more legal sports betting, the more and the more legal sports bets floating around this country, uh, the, the better it'll be for our business. Yeah, absolutely. I would tend to agree. So, what about in general with regards to Vegas? What do you think will happen if sports betting is legalized? Because a lot of people go to Vegas for the parties, a lot of people go, you know, for the pools, a lot of people go for other things, including betting. And some of it is sports betting. Do you think it'll have an impact on the whole Vegas experience? You guys obviously live there. You've experienced Vegas as much as anyone, do you think that legal sports betting in other states or other possibilities with regards to legal sports betting will impact the experience of Las Vegas? Yeah, it'll obviously impact the experience. So, you know, slight downtick in, in travel to Las Vegas. You know, maybe you, you might miss that one uh, fancy football draft that all the boys went to Las Vegas for and instead they just drive to Atlantic City. Um, but I think what you alluded to earlier is that a lot of people that are traveling to Vegas are coming here for the experience. 
right? There was this, this monumental shift in Las Vegas around 15 years ago where they figured out, well, people aren't actually coming down here to gamble as much. They're coming down here for pool parties. They're coming down here to eat. They're coming down here to go to shows. None of that is going away if sports betting gets legalized. Um, so, you know, I think maybe you, you miss out on one or two bachelor parties where the guys are coming down solely to, to do a fancy football draft. But I still think the, the, the lion's share of people come down for, for the entertainment factor of Vegas and um, legalization of sports betting wouldn't change that. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's casinos in 40 states now. Uh, so that hasn't seemed to really stop people from coming to Vegas still. So what about the big corporate businesses there? Do you think, or how do you think they will respond to sports betting if it's legalized outside of Vegas to a large extent? Obviously, there were reports that William Hill US is ready to roll if it happens in New Jersey and things like that. Do you know of any of the large casinos in Vegas or any operators there who are ready to roll out large-scale sports betting or some preparations that have already happened? Obviously, Ian, you've spent time in a sports book. Do you think that's something that they've got their finger on the pulse with? Yeah, I mean, William Hill is obviously the most ready to go because uh, they're operating in Delaware um, and uh, they're set up at one of the racetracks in New Jersey willing to flip the switch. Um, but they're still a third-party operator, right? So they've got to gain acceptance from a from a brick-and-mortar casino to, to give them basically the invite to come in and do it. Um, and I'm not so sure that these states with illegalized sports betting want a third-party coming in, uh, you know, basically like, you know, exporting all their money, right? I think the states want it to be done kind of in-house um, with, with these casinos so that these so the jobs and the money stays in the state. So therefore, I think, I think MGM Resorts is, is the most well-positioned. Um, they, 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 they just built an app um, that, that's really nice here in Nevada. Um, and they've got casinos in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, in Maryland. Um, so I think they're they're really well positioned. And, and uh, Atlantic City, of course, they just um, bought out their other half of the Borgata, which is uh, the the most uh, successful casino in Atlantic City. So I think they're the most well positioned when this thing goes live because they're in all these different states, um, and they can learn. They can take everything they learned in Vegas and and roll it out easily. Uh, meanwhile, Sands, uh, which you know has the largest casino in, in Pennsylvania. Uh, is extremely against you know online gambling, um, and I think you know that that they're they're fighting a fight that's that's just not they're not going to win. And I think that's going to put them against the eight ball, um, you know, eventually. So what are you seeing when it comes to technology? Obviously, with Paspa being in play, that's stifled so much development and technology, and I would say research into the betting industry as a whole. You're obviously in the heart of it in Vegas and you've obviously got a website and you've got your mobile app and things like that. So you're heavily involved when it comes to the technology side. Do you think there'll be a large uptick in the, I guess, development of technology and I guess some input from places like Silicon Valley where they have world-leading technology and applications and, and software and hardware and things like that? Do you think the betting industry will catch on to that wave? Yeah. I mean, I think any time that there's opportunity, you know, talent and, and tech kind of flow to that opportunity. So, yeah, I, I think that's completely logical to guess that, um, you know, a, a company out of Northern California that's attracting Ivy League talent would, would take on sports betting. That makes complete sense. Our developer, in, in our opinion, is just as competent as developers in Silicon Valley. He's, he's done a great job in building out our website and, and our app. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Who, who wouldn't want to, to leave college with a a degree in computer engineering and, you know, a specialization in sports betting. I mean, that, that would just be a, a dream to, I think, a lot of American kids. 
Yeah, absolutely. So what's it like living in Vegas? You're obviously a relatively young man. You, this is an audio podcast, so I can say you're very well-dressed, very good-looking young man, of course. <laughs> what is the lifestyle like? Because I'm sure a lot of people listening either have only been to Vegas for a weekend and you know had a very good time probably, or they haven't been at all. Take us to, sort of into the, the, the lifestyle of living in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. There is, there is life off the strip. Um, I, I can assure you of that. I think the, the first question I get asked is, how the heck do you live in that city? Um, you know, we, we live in a condo. It's it's off the strip. We have a pool and, and normal amenities that you would guess at, uh, in a city like this. So, um, <clears throat> But, you know, having said that, we have friends who come in all the time. You know, whether it's a bachelor or a bachelorette party, I think um, one out of every two, this is just my guessing, one out of every two bachelor or bachelorette parties is held in Las Vegas. So um, you get to see a lot of your friends who are celebrating and um, go enjoy the <clears throat> the strip amenities, pool parties, nightclubs, etc. Um, and then when you don't want to, you, you stay and go chill at a sports bar. So it's nice to have um, both sides of the spectrum whenever you want it. So what about for those who are going to go to Vegas during sports betting prime season, whether it's a you know NCAA football Saturday or, or NFL Sunday or something like that, what are some of the suggestions you can give for some of the, I guess, the best sports books, the best places to hang out for six, seven hours and watch some games um, for those who are on their way to Vegas this season? Sure. Um, yeah, my, my, my first piece of advice would be don't wait until five minutes before kickoff to make your bets. Um, that, that's, that's never going to end up good. Um, and then as far as like best place to watch a game, the screens, the seating, um, the Westgate, um, uh, had just redid their sports book. And on Sundays, they have something called football central where they open up their theater. Um, and it's smoke free. Um, you know, basically huge projection screens have all the games on, they'll have the audio on one game. Um, so that, that's a really cool place to watch. Um, and then, if you're looking to, to pay a little more um, and, and get to get a meal with your with your uh, experience, I would suggest Legacy Stadium at the Palazzo um, is a really cool place for you know a group of guys to go watch a game. There's TVs everywhere. Uh, there's a sports betting window there, um, and then also Top Top Golf uh, is a new is a new place adjacent to the MGM. Uh, and again, um, fun you know fun activity, TV screens everywhere, and there's a sports betting window uh, there. Interesting suggestions. I've heard about Top Golf actually. I haven't actually been, but it sounds like an awesome sort of venue and, and place to hang out, especially in the fall. So, like the, the, the one of the things I love about Vegas is the weather, right? It's, it's it can be brutally hot in the summer, but once football season starts, it gets really nice. So, you know, a, a nice you know evening in October with like you know college football going on and playing you know swinging the golf club, making bets. Uh, it's it, it's a really fun time. Yeah, and uh, don't forget about the Golden Knights. We're now going to be in our inaugural season here. Um, obviously, Vegas has never had a professional sports team. Um, and the NHL's Golden Knights will be the first uh, professional sports team. They start in about a month here. I was going to ask about that. What impact will those sports teams have? Is it going to be a... Well, it's surely going to be an influx of away fans coming in because if you get to pick one game of the season to go to on an away schedule, I would imagine you're thinking about going to Vegas more than any other city. Will you be able to capitalize on that? Yeah. I mean, so you're asking, will there be more visitors because these sports teams are here? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure there will be. Um, you know, I guess I guess the, the biggest advantage of a sports team coming to Las Vegas for us is just getting the leagues more comfortable with sports betting, right? Because that's kind of, that's a, a large impediment to why it's not 
National League yet is the leagues. And the more they come to Vegas, the more that one of their teams is headquartered in Las Vegas, the more comfortable those leagues will get with sports betting. And, you know, that's good for all of us. Um, so, yeah, I think from a from a foot traffic perspective, yeah, we'll definitely have more visitors for NFL and NHL. But um, there's just something about having a sports team in your city that legitimizes you. Um, whether that's fair or not, you know, I, I think it's true. People just look at the city as a more legitimate city. If you have a sports team there, and you know, we, we finally have one. And I wanted to ask about the Hilton Super Contest. Can you just run through it for those who don't know what it is, exactly what that contest is? And I guess the it seems like it's growing and growing and growing, and it's very, very popular in Las Vegas. And also for those outside of Vegas, using a proxy server to, sorry, using a proxy to go in and place uh, those weekly selections. And I guess it's something that is in the mainstream media a little bit now, and it's certainly something that sports bettors who are serious might want to look at. So do you want to just take us through what's going on with the, the Hilton Super Contest? Yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely exploded over the past couple of years. I mean, I would, I would, li- I would liken it to the, the main event of the World Series of Poker where, um, you know, a couple, a couple mainstream people, you know, play in it and then be right about it. And then all of a sudden, everyone around the country wants to, you know, wants their shot to, be, to basically be the, the champion of sports betting, right? It's a it's a fifteen hundred dollar entry, um, but like you said, there are and you, and you have to enter your picks in person at the casino. That's one of the big caveats. But what they allow you to do is uh, you can sign up with a with a proxy, and then if you and then the proxy charges you three hundred bucks a year. The proxy will put in your picks for you. So basically, that opens it up to the whole country. As long as you come down to Vegas one time, sign up in person, you can get your picks in remotely, and that that's really helped um, in, in the growth. Um, however, the the limit it's not it's not like a regular poker tournament where it's like top ten percent get paid. So however many people enter, then then the payout's a function of that. Uh, be limited to a hard cap of I believe it's now fifty. Uh, it used to be top thirty, uh, but basically it's it's a very front loaded contest. So only the, the the top top performers get paid. So ba- so that means that you can have a really good season. You can go fifty five percent. Which is extremely good for for an NFL season, and not get a dime, and and, and you would lose in that in that in that situation. So you know, I do it. I would do it with, with a group of guys, maybe as a thing for fun. But uh, I would also bet on the side as well, or, or maybe just just do betting on the side because um, I can tell you from experience, it's super frustrating to do to have a good season and not win any money, just because you're because inevitably people are going to get really hot. Like that, that's every year, someone goes on a tear, and it's something like insane. You know. 65 percent you know games hit and uh it just you know it it it, it you know if you if you do well it's it's you may not still make money interesting yeah it's it's crazy that someone can go 65 percent or higher in nfl season i guess it's a small sample size and the variance is there and it's possible so one thing i want to ask you is about the betting content i know it's not that easy to find really good betting content in the u.s i know there's a lot of betting con out, content out there, but it's not necessarily great, especially the free stuff. Where do you both look when you're looking to, I guess, see write-ups on games or analysis or things like that for betting purposes? Do you look to the mainstream media and use non-betting writers or non-betting content to sort of guide your betting strategies? Or are you thinking more along the lines of, you know, professional handicappers and things like that? Yeah, I mean, uh, so so first of all, Luke and I don't, don't really bet. Um, you know, we're, we're focused on our business and, you know, we we, and we don't want anyone to think that we've got like an inside edge or that we're you know, conflict of interest. 
Um, so the two of us, since we started this, have, have stayed away from the window. Yeah. Uh, that that being said, though, I, I I used to bet before before I started PropSwap, and um, yeah, I would I would say it, I would agree. It, it is it's extremely hard to find historical data, right? Which is like super important. Um, that that's a that's a very thing you know very hard uh, find a very hard thing to find. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would look at covers. Covers.com has has good trends, um, and yeah, and then I also I, I like news sites like Roto World. Um, so I'll I'll use you know you know individual player news to find out injuries because th- those can be super important. Um, and then yeah, uh, I'm I'm all about making making your own number too. Uh, I think it's extremely important if, if you want to consider you know if you want to be a good handicapper, sit down, look at the games you create what you think you cr- write down what you think the spread is right, and then and then you go look at the actual spreads. And the games that you're super off on, you know, maybe you don't immediately fire on those games, but then you take a little deeper dive. Say, okay, why was I so off on this? And if you can't think of a reason as to why your number is so off from the Vegas number, then that's usually a good good place to start. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, before I let you go, guys, I just want to make sure I get your website, the mobile app, and where they where everyone can contact you if they want to reach out. Sure, it's uh, propswap.com, P-R-O-P-S-W-A-P.com. Um, and give us a follow on Twitter, uh, PropSwap Tweets. Sounds good. Thank you very much for your time, Ian Epstein and Luke Pagunde. I wish you all the very best with uh, PropSwap, and I look forward to coming out and seeing you guys in Vegas uh, during the football season. So thanks again for joining me, and all the very best. Thanks, Jake.